Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. This is episode 140. Man, 140 episodes. This has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun topics, a lot of good questions. And uh, this episode is a question and answer episode for you. I appreciate you sending in your questions. And don't forget, if you have a question, be sure to send it to me, Ty, at tsmules.com. That's Ty at tsmules.com. And make sure you put in the subject line question for the podcast, and I will get it on here and get it done for you. Got to thank our sponsors today, Western Mule Magazine, Colt Salary, Mules and More Magazine, and Roman Homes. Uh, Appreciate your support. And if you guys haven't checked out those businesses, you need to do so. Western Mule Magazine and Mules and More Magazine, the best mule magazines you're going to find. Colt Salary, an amazing saddle maker. And, of course, Roman Homes make an awesome wall tents that uh, are super unique. I love my Nomad. And, uh, yeah, so let's get on with it. We've got some good questions today. Uh, first question comes from all, all the way from France. Uh, Lisa Bernard, I hope I said that correctly. Um, hello from France. Thank you for everything you do. I love the podcast. I found an old army cavalry saddle, good craftsmanship, and fits uh, my mule very well. The thing is, it doesn't have straps for a back cinch. I have a crouper and a breast collar, though. I plan to trail ride on quite rough terrain when we are ready. So my question is, what what's the use of the back cinch? Do you recommend it for trail riding, or is it mainly for roping? All right, Lisa. Uh you know, I ride a back cinch on all my saddles, um, but I do rope. Um, however, Sky doesn't like to rope, and my daughters don't rope, and I still have them ride a rear cinch um, on their saddles. And the reason is, is we do ride a lot of rough terrain. Um, now, granted, I do know a lot of people that don't use a back cinch. And if you're talking about these old Army cavalry saddles, you're probably talking about uh, McClellan style, which is a center rigging. And, um, you know, uh, it's not, yeah, you're right. It's not made for a rear cinch, doesn't need a rear cinch. Um, So the reason I use a rear cinch is because most of my saddles have a seven eighths rigging, not a center fire like your typical cavalry saddle probably does. Um, It's a seven eighths. So the rigging, the main rigging on my saddle sits forward quite a lot this leaves the back of the saddle uh you know very easily to to come up and leave the mules back when you're going down hills when you're jumping over uh deadfall when you're jumping off rocks up rocks that's that that saddle the bars of the saddle are going to leave the back and that puts a lot of weight all the pressure up up right behind the shoulders that's undesirable that's going to get your mule sore um so i like to have that back cinch snug keeping the back of that saddle down on the mule's back um yeah your crouper's going to help your breast collar that's that doesn't have anything to do with what your back cinch does your breast your breast collar that's to keep that saddle from going side to side um And it helps from keeping it going backwards, too, if you're going to write up some really, really steep stuff. Um, But uh, a lot of times you can get away without a breast collar, too. Um, So, no, you you don't have to have one. Um, I know a lot of people that don't, and that's just fine. So uh, it mostly has to do with the rigging of the saddle. Your army saddle probably has a centerfire rigging, so it's probably going to be fine. If you, those of you that do any roping, I mean, if you if you've got any experience roping, you already know that you need a back cinch and you need it snug, you need it tight. Um, and the bigger stuff you're going to rope, you probably have ought to have that back cinch tighter. Um, so, yeah, good question. Uh, next question comes from Jamie Mitchell, and Jamie says, "I got a John Mule earlier this year, uh, about seven. He wants nothing to do with people. He's hard to catch." Um, she's kind of been working on the catching, but he takes a few steps backwards when she's trying to catch him. She has to pretend to feed him to catch him. 
Even that doesn't work sometimes, though, uh, because he'll bolt out of her hands when she's trying to lead the mule. Um, the slightest thing makes the mule jump. Seems very fearful. I have to do extremely minimal cues to ask him to move over or he flies as far over as he possibly can. Uh, even someone nearby talking with their hands freaks him out. He rides very well once I actually have him caught, uh, minus being jumpy. He's a pretty typical bolter, but as long as I have the reins, he remains under control. Um, I have gone out to catch with treats, gone out to just pet him, put a halter on, just take it right back off and walk away, etc. Everything I can think of. I do not hit or smack him, even if he kicks out while picking up his feet. Um, everything I've done... Um, Oh, excuse me. Uh, she hasn't done anything to make it unpleasant for the mule. Uh, I don't know what else to do to prevent the regression I keep seeing. I'm trying not to have to sell him because I feel he would not end up anywhere good with how he is. I would love to get more input from someone that has dealt with a large variety of mules. Do you have any thoughts or advice? All right, Jamie, it sounds like you caught a lot going. Holy cow. Uh, a couple things. You shouldn't be riding this son of a gun. Second thing, you can't sell him. He, he's not, he, there's no monetary value on mules that have those troubles. Um, man, man, I see a lot of people trying to sell mules that are very challenged um, individuals, and it's, it kind of bothers me. Uh, so, yeah, you're kind of either going to have to deal with this and get this stuff fixed up, or you're going to be giving him away. Um, the catching. Okay. The catching. Now there's some mules and some horses that they're always going to be just a little touchy to catch. Okay. There, there's, they're not every mule and every horse. Are you going to get them to meet you at the gate? Um, I've, I've known a lot of mules and a lot of horses and a lot of donkeys. And there's just some dispositions that, that are just standoffish. And it's not, Maybe not your fault. Um, it it might not even be the way you raised them. There's just some that are like that. Uh, there's some that can take a lot of work and still be at the gate. There's some that you you ride them tough one day and and uh, they kind of thought that was uncomfortable and they're going to be hard to catch the next day. Okay, there's all different kinds out there, but you can get all of them decent to catch to where when you approach them, they can learn to stand still. You approach them, they can learn to uh, be haltered, and you can get them broke to lead. This meal's not even broke to lead. And uh, I wouldn't, if, if he's bolting from you on the ground, if he's pulling away from you on the ground, I ain't, I ain't getting on the son of a gun. Um, there's, you, you ride what you lead. I really believe you ride what you lead. And so if, if he's pulling away from you like that on the ground, if he's that worried on the ground, um, you're braver than I am to get on this mule. Uh, I'm not saying you can't ride him. Just like you, you said, you, you ride him, but he's bolted off on you. He's scared of crap. Um, I'm not saying you can't cowboy up and ride him. And there's sure enough, a lot of, I got a lot of friends that are cowboy enough that, you know, they'd have no problem getting on this mule and long trotting him for 30 miles today, making a big circle, gathering cows. And he'd be, he, he would be done with the bolting by the time they made their circle and got home. I guarantee it. Um, you know, it, it changes the mule when you go long trot for a long time, all day long. Uh, it's amazing what that long trot will do. Um, that a lot of you don't have the opportunity to go do that. I get it. Some of you are like, I can't make a 30 mile loop in my state. They don't have enough public ground to even do that on. Don't have ranches to do that. On. I understand. Um, but, but, uh, so, so yeah, you, you can ride this mule, I suppose. I'm just saying with the end goals that you're trying to achieve, the things that you want to do, there's better places to be focusing your efforts on. Um, I would do a lot of work off of another riding mule on this particular mule. If he's this tough to catch, if he's this tough to lead, if he's this scared to be around, I am going to do a whole bunch off my riding mule. I would get this mule into the round pen somehow, whether I got to herd him in there 
I got to set up panels and drive them in there. Uh, whatever. I'm going to get them into that round pin. I'm not going to try to catch them to get them in the round pin. If I got to set up a round pin in the corner of the pasture, I will. I'll bring a bunch of portable, portable panels and set them up and, you know, get a round pin there because that's going to help you. If you don't, if you can't do that, get them into some kind of smaller corral, smaller than 50 foot or 60 foot, I guess at the biggest, get them into some kind of smaller corral where you have some type of boundaries to work with him. So you're not wearing yourself out and you're not wearing your saddle mule or your saddle horse out. And uh, um, then I'm going to work him off of my mule. I'm going to move him. I'm going to go up and down through some transitions. I'm going to get him hooking on to my mule. And if I have a mule that's really hard to get to hooking on uh, to me on the ground, which I bet this mule would be challenging, then I'm going to do it off of my saddle mule like I'm telling you because they will be pretty prone to draw in to another animal. This is natural to some of these things we're doing here. This is it's similar to what they'll do to each other, maybe driving each other off of feed. I'm not saying it's exactly the same because we're not as good as they are at putting pressure on and taking pressure off. They're the ultimate, they're the ultimate pressure release uh, creatures. I mean, they, they know how to do that better than we ever will. But nonetheless, it's going to be easier to get this mule hooked onto my ride mule than it is me on the ground. So I'm going to go through that a little bit. Um, I'm not telling you to do this unless you are experienced, but I'm probably going to get a rope on this mule. I'm probably going to rope him and work him from the end of that rope. And I'm probably going to help him uh, find the end of that rope. Um, I might bring up just enough stimulus, maybe trying to create a little bit of a drift, try to get him to yield his hindquarters and create a drift around his inside hind foot and his outside, or excuse me, around his inside front foot and around his outside front foot as well. I'm going to kind of get him to drift around these feet, rolling the hinds uh, in a way from the back of the mule. Now, if you want to see a video of this, you can watch on my video library. I got a couple of videos of me doing this uh, off of my riding mule. You can see what I'm talking about here, but I'm going to, I'm going to do this off of, off of my riding mule. And, uh, I'll, I might not need a, need a flag in the beginning. Maybe just, you, you say the mule scared, just, uh, somebody using their hands when they're talking. And I mean, I'm doing that right now on the other side of this microphone, using my hands to talk. Uh, I don't know why nobody's watching me. Uh, but, but I, I, all you, all you have to maybe do is just slap your hand on your shaps, and that might, that might be enough stimulus to cause him to move and create this drift I'm talking about. And I'm going to work on these hind quarters. I might work on them half hour each side. I don't know until I have a little feel built in that rope, and where that mule's maybe operating off of a little bit more of a slack rope rather than hanging on me because he's, he's going to hang on me in the beginning for sure. He's going to want to hang on me. Now, if you're inexperienced and you don't know how to run a rope, when you've got a rope around a mule's neck, you need to put a stop knot in there so that that rope will never choke one down. Put a little knot a couple feet, two or three feet up that rope so you make a bigger loop and that loop will stop. It won't go any tighter. If you're handy at doing this, if you've done this before, if you've, you've handled a rope quite often, you don't need that stop knot. You'll be able to pay attention and, and release when you need to. But for safety's sake, I recommend that stop knot in there. Now, after I work on just the rope and just maybe getting them to move off of me, slapping my hands on the shaps or something, that will quickly dull, which is a good thing. I don't want him scared of my hands slapping my leg uh, because I'll do that maybe when I move cows and things and, you know, just for the fun of it, uh, I'll get my flag down and he's probably going to be scared to death of that flag too. I'm going to get him to yield to that flag. The flag is a handy tool and, and I really like using a flag when I'm working off of a mule, um, doing that groundwork on another mule, because sometimes that mule is going to want to run towards my mule's tail. Now, when I'm creating this drift that I'm talking about here, if you can picture this, the mules are nose to tail. So 
I let's for uh, for the sake of this episode here, uh, picture this mule on my right side. Okay, I'm in the saddle. The mule's on. This mule's on the end of that rope on the right side of me. Um, my leg is is a good place for me to be. Is my leg would be right in his rib cage or or the same level right there as his rib cage, and uh, he'd be a couple fo- feet away from me. And now what happens is these mules sometimes when you get behind like that they're going to want to run toward your ride mule's tail. And you, you don't want them to get around you like that. Well, if you're using a flag, all you have to do is bring that flag end over in front of their head and you'll stop them. And then if they go to flying backwards and get to pulling you and trying to, to, to back up, like you, and you mentioned this mule wants to do that a little bit, well, get that flag behind the eye and that sends them back forward. And the flag is a great equalizer to keep that mule centered where you want them to be. And also to be able to you, you, you can move them a little bit, and then you can take that flag and get them quiet a little bit. And he can learn to self-regulate and figure this stuff out. This mule needs to, to have a little pressure built up and then back off of him. He needs to learn to self-regulate and come off of that and relax and not be so uptight and so worried and so stressed. You'll, you'll back off of that a little bit, okay? And then you bring it up again. You back off. and this is what it's going to take. Uh, mules like this, I'll even get that saddle pad up above them, whatever I need to do. But I'll do a lot of that until I can operate this mule on a loose rein on the ground. So after I work on from the back of my mule, I will work on the ground at some point. I might have to work off my mule for a week, you know, every day for a week. And then maybe I go back to the ground. But I'm not going to ride this son of a gun until I can do all my groundwork that means clearing the front, centered circles, roll the hinds, roll the front on a loose rein. Then I also want to be able to do fence work on a loose rein. So get him to come up to the fence and pick me up and not be so scared. I'm going to do all that. And then I'm probably going to pony this mule out before I ride a, a mule that wants to run off on me. I'm probably going to pony this mule out for an hour or two. Maybe I'll long trot. Maybe I'll trot this mule out through the hills for a couple of hours and when he he's not so dang uptight and fresh i'm not trying to get him tired and exhausted now i'm gonna i better put that note in here right now i do not condone exhausting your mule before you get on him i've never had an exhausted mule learn a thing sure maybe you maybe you got away without them bucking you off and dumping you on your head because you're scared or something. I understand that. Maybe you got away with that, but your mule didn't learn anything. You're going to have to do this over and over again. You're going to have to do it over and over again anyways, but you're going to have to do it more so if you get him exhausted. I want the mule to be able to process, to think, to understand, to find that release. So anyways, but I might take the fresh off this mule. I don't have a problem doing that. I might take the fresh off him. I might trot out there for a little while. Then I might get on and I might ride him back home. Then I probably won't have any bolting episodes to deal with if I've done all this prep work up to that point. Uh, there's some mules that are just hot and fresh that need a lot more work. There's some mules you can get away with riding them just a little bit. Th- this mule sounds like you got a lot going. It needs to learn how to self-regulate to be able to bring up that energy and bring it back down. It seems like this mule's probably had a history of that energy going up and he's probably bolted away, ran off or whatever, and he's probably found the release by upping his stress. So he he just goes up, he gets the release when he's away from the human being, and he, he feels better away from the human being. So you got to help him feel better near you. Now, just having it totally flat all the time, which it sounds like you're doing a really good thing here. You you uh, You haven't made anything unpleasant for him. You have been totally level, and that is that is a good trait to have. But there also comes a time where you have to bring it up a little bit so that you can bring it back down. And you've got to do that in small increments. You don't want to do too much. That's when he bolts off on you. But you can bring up a little stress and back off. Now, if you're incapable of doing what I just recommended you do, working off of another mule, you can do it all on the ground too. You, that's definitely possible to do everything on the ground on your feet. The difference is you're going to have to take it much slower. You're going to have to take it easier because 
if he gets dragging you around and gets to bolting off on you, that is one of the hardest things to fix is those mules that know how to rip that lead rope out of your hand and they find a release somewhere else. That is a hard deal to fix. Um, so take it slow. Don't push it to that point where he's wanting to run off on you. Okay, but you got to push a little bit. You got you got to do a little bit or else it gets to where he, he gets to kind of call in the shots and and he gets to where, I mean, he, you will teach, you're teaching him if you don't if you don't help him get up and come back down, you're teaching him to get scared to find the release. I want him to calm down to find the release. So far in his life, he's gotten scared and then he's had the release. We've got to do the opposite of that. We got to help him come down from that fear. I'm not saying avoid the fear. I'm saying you got to hang in there, help him come down from it, and that's where he's going to find the release. Now, there's quite a few things you could do too. If he, you know, you mentioned kicking at you um let's see yeah you you mentioned that he uh let's see where is it oh yeah he kicks at you when you're picking up his feet too you can go back to leading by foot you can work on getting each foot roped leading by foot if that's too challenging on the ground you can do it off of a saddle horse or saddle mule and uh work from that so you got quite a bit of a challenge going on there um, but hang in there. You can do it. It's not impossible. Um, and you are, you're already brave enough to ride him. Although I don't recommend you ride him at this point. Um, but you're riding him. So, and, and you got, I mean, you, you say you got a decent amount of control, although he's scared and bolting off on you, but you're, you're staying there. If you can get some of this groundwork going, Man, he's he's going to be just fine. So hang in there. Now that leading by the foot comment that leads me right into the next question from uh, my good friend Janet Conway from Alta, Wyoming. Um, her question is about leading by the foot. Um, basically, when she goes, when Janet's going to lead by the foot, um, Maxine, her good mule, I know Maxine well, just wants to follow Janet around. Um, but she wants Janet wants to be able to pick up a foot and set it down somewhere and not have that mule totally follow her around. Um, and so she's asking for some help with this. Uh, she did end up putting the mule on a high line and doing the same thing while the mule's tied up. Janet, don't I wouldn't recommend doing that. I want the mule freed up, so I wouldn't put the mule on a high line to do this. Um, now you you kind of you Janet, you've kind of accomplished what we're looking for while leading by a foot. Um, you know, Maxine is just hooked onto you. She's following you. That's that's kind of what we're after there. Now, you're trying to get more particular with putting these feet somewhere, and that is excellent. Um, what I would do is not really lead her by the feet anymore with a rope. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I would still, you could still use a rope with what I'm about to tell you. But try to pick up her foot just while you're standing next to the mule and try to drop the foot. And I wouldn't, I shouldn't use the word drop. Set the foot down on a target. So if you'd like that foot to go forward four inches and to the left four inches, so kind of like a reaching move, pick up that foot with the rope and just set it over there. But you're you're close enough to the mule that she won't necessarily want to just walk forward and follow you around. So you're you're closer to the to the mule. I hope that makes sense on the podcast here. But you could do things like that. But Janet, you've kind of accomplished the task uh, or the the goal of leading by foot, and that's to get that mule a little bit more hooked onto us. And secondary to that is getting the mule good to handle their feet. Um, that's just basically a side effect of teaching them to lead by the foot. So excellent question, Janet. Hey, we're going to take a quick break right now and uh, listen to our, uh, or listen to a little ad I did for you all uh, for Boyd Ranch Mule Days coming up here. I can't wait for Boyd Ranch Mule Days. So take a listen to this. We'll be right back. Hey, friends. I want to thank our amazing sponsors over at the Boyd Ranch Mule Days. I've been going down to the Boyd Ranch just outside of sunny Wickenburg, Arizona. 
for the past couple of years, I've had a lot of fun doing clinics down there, and I can't wait to go back in March. Boyd Ranch Mule Days is now the entire week of March 7th through the 13th, 2022. And of course, my clinic is three days long. That's the 7th through the 9th. Uh, along with my good friend, Mr. Chris Clark, who is a Grand Canyon uh, veteran. He's been down there, been packing many years, very experienced, and a great teacher. You'll enjoy learning from Chris as well. You know, they also got a driving clinic down there. And, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about driving. And uh, this is going to be fun to, to see what's going on over there. There's some, they're covering some basic harnessing and driving single and double. You know, after three full days of clinicking between my clinic the packing clinic and the driving clinic then it's time to get out on the trail they got short medium long rides uh going on and also an ultra long wilderness ride they offer uh they got their famous trail obstacle course they they got their all-out mule ramble going on they're giving away ribbons prizes and i think they've even talked me into being the announcer for the event so i'm gonna have a blast there for sure every night there's there's food good food uh they got concerts going on live music and dancing and it's going to be a ton of fun family friendly and i just can't wait to be there if you want to come to boyd ranch mule days i'd love to see you there go visit boydranch.org for more information and to apply to join us hey i can't wait to see you there looking forward to it All right, friends, we're back. Next question is from Haven. Uh, I'm not sure where Haven is from, but thanks for the question, Haven. Uh, my dad recently bought two mules that I'm helping him with. I read an article from a mule trainer saying that you don't do a one-rein stop or disengage a mule's hindquarters in an emergency situation like bucking or bolting. Maybe that's bad internet information, but if that's true... What is the best way to gain control with a mule in a situation like that? Haven, I'm not sure. You might have read my my article on that. Um, I wrote about that before, so you may be reading mine. Um, and uh, anyways, you know, that is that is correct. If my mule's running off, bucking, bolting, whatever, you're, you're kind of past the opportunity to do your one-rein stop. The one rain stop is is a bit overrated. It's um, it's a valuable tool, but not in the sense of saving your life. <laughs> Maybe it would. Maybe it'd help you. I remember I was at uh, the Midwest Horse Fair in Madison, Wisconsin. Shout out to my Wisconsin pals. Um, miss all of you guys up there. Can't wait to get back. Uh, but somebody asked me, sir, when's the last time you used a one rain stop in an emergency. And I was sitting there thinking, I said, well, I, I can't tell you. I don't know. And that really got me to thinking that I don't use a one rain stop or a lateral stop as we call it often. I don't use that in an emergency situation. Meaning when they're running off or bolting, bucking, whatever, spooking. When, when these animals are scared and they're that scared, they're in that much of a flight um, mode, uh, stopping them is the last thing that their brain, their little brains can handle in that moment. They are wound up. They're worried. They're scared. They got to go. Everything in them, everything that uh, that is within their 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 response to that stressful stimulus says, get away from it, run, move your feet, get away. And sometimes when we get in there, we want to stop them. We actually get ourselves into more trouble and we add to it. Now the lateral stop, the one rein stop has, has a lateral movement to it, which can help you if your animal is balanced. If they're running off, they're, they're probably not that balanced. And there's a good chance that you can roll them on top of you. It's happened to me, happened to Sky. Um, I've seen it happen many times, having a mule roll over on you when they're running off. When they're running off in that moment, um, you know, the best thing you can do is just ride as fast as they're going because they're going with or without you. So you better just go with them. 
and most of these mules, unless you're riding something that's bred to run, something with a lot of endurance to it, most of these mules, you guys, they're, they're going to burn up quick. They're going to burn up in a quarter mile. They're going to burn up in a half a mile at most. I mean, they're, they're going to burn up pretty fast and you can at least get them back down to a long trot and then long trot them the rest of the day. <laughs> that's what I would do. If I get one that wants to run off on me, I will run with it. Um, I might even ask it to run, try to hustle it some more. And it's probably going to want to burn out in a quarter mile. Most of my mules are quarter horses and that's why they're called quarter horses. They're quarter mile famous, right? Um, but they're probably going to burn out in that quarter mile or half mile. After that, I'm going to long trot that mule the rest of the day. Um, and then I'm going to just ride and relax and help them find peace. Just staying with me and help them know that that's just where they ought to be. Um, but really, you know, Haven, if you're finding yourself in these situations often, there's something missing in the program. There's something missing in the checklist that you're not doing a good enough job at. Now, it's one thing, you guys, if you have little emergencies come up, I mean, that is life. And you're riding a mule, you're riding a horse. These are scared critters. Uh, these are not confident animals overall. And generally speaking, they're not confident. You're not riding a brave spirit. Um, you're riding something that's scared of 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 a, <laughs> a misshaped pine cone. They're going to spook at a butterfly. And that has happened to me. Okay. A mule scared of a butterfly. Um, okay. So, so you got to expect things to come up. That's going to happen. They're going to get scared of some stuff. That comes with the territory. If you're not willing to accept that, uh, either get something that is that is just so broke um, and just just has been around a long time, and you're still going to be taking risks there. But uh, it, it comes with the territory, okay? So stuff can come up, and it will come up. There's just stuff that happens, okay? But if it if you're having a mule blow up and buck often, if you're having a mule run away with you often, if you're having a mule jump out from under you and spin out from under you often, you, there's stuff missing in the program. Go back and do a better job at your checklist. Um, so Haven, back to your, you know, your original question, you know, um, you might've read my article. Uh, and one thing I talk about quite often in, in our clinics and, and in my writings and, and, uh, and for a lot of you listening to these podcasts is I will, uh, I will go to moving the feet. Anytime I have that trouble, I want to move those feet and then help them settle. Um, help them kind of come through that as best as they can. Um, if you can, uh, maybe if they're bucking, you got to weather the storm and then you got to move their feet, uh, a little bit. And, uh, it just depends. That's so situational. But no, generally speaking, that one rain stop is not going to do a lot for you. Uh, doubling is a little bit more um, helpful just to kind of check one up a little bit if you're having a little bit of trouble. Um, figure eights, lateral movement without actually stopping. Um, so you could just roll the hind return. You could just leg yield, uh, leg yield. Yay, excuse me, leg yielding, I am learning, is so effective on a mule that's riled up. Going sideways. If you understand the, the mechanics of that leg yield, it's basically like you're trotting. You're, you're, it's, you're basically trotting sideways. So I would, I would just take them in leg yield. I might leg yield them. I'm serious for a half, a, for, for a quarter mile. Just down that trail, just leg yield, leg yield, leg yield. And it's it's very taxing on the mule. It costs them a lot of energy, costs them a lot of uh, uh, focus. They got to pay attention to their balancing that way. Um, so the leg yield is a great thing to teach when the getting is good, when the going is good, teach them that. And when the going is not so good, use it. It's a great tool. So... Uh, there's a lot of be better options out there than the one rain stop. And if you wonder, well, what is the one rain stop for? What is that lateral stop for? If you've been to my clinics, then you, you'll know the answer to that. So if you've been to my clinics, I want you to answer that in your mind right now. 
what is the one ring stop for? And if you've forgotten, I'll remind you. <laughs> or if you've never been, I'll tell you. Uh, it is to prepare for roll the hinds, roll the front. A move that we do in the checklist. Moving the hinds a few steps and moving the front a few steps. And uh, that one rain stop prepares so well that hindquarters to move and then to stop. That's what it's for. Move the, the inside hind foot, stop the inside hind foot, and be punctual about it. That's what I use that lateral stop for, and that's about all I use it for. So it's a preparatory move in our checklist. All right. Thanks for that question, Haven. Next question comes from Larry Essink. Can you give input on a side pull bridle? Reason I ask, Tubbs is getting better about bridling and getting better with lateral flexion, but on cold days, she isn't fond of a bit. I warm it up, but it's still cool enough that she expresses her concerns. I still leave the halter on for a few reasons, and I have used the lead rope to assist with lateral flexion to the right. I got to thinking that maybe during the winter, this might help as she responds better to the halter than the bit. I'm sure it's due to previous owners' hands were horrible. As <laughs> uh, uh, then he's got another question here about saddle pads or blankets. Uh, can you give a talk about that? Thanks for all you do. Love the weekly information. Okay, Larry, good question. Um, yeah, I don't got anything wrong with the, I don't see anything wrong with a side pulled bridle, um, except that uh, it it doesn't really help me accomplish the goals that I am chasing. Uh, if you're if you're going to use a side pull, you, you might as well just use a traditional hackamore. And there's a little confusion out there about the word hackamore. And I would just, I wish we could go back in time and that that could have been like a, a copyrighted because a lot of people call things basically without a bit of hackamore. I see all kinds of nose pinchers out there and jaw crushers and all these contraptions that go around the nose um, that are not a hackamore. And they call them a hackamore. They can't call them mechanical hackamores and different versions of them. When I say hackamore, I'm talking about a traditional bozal, makati, and a hanger. That's a hackamore. So if you're going to go to a side pole there, you might as well just use a good hackamore because uh, that uh, the functionality of that hackamore will get you a lot further along than a side pole. The, the, reason, the reason is your future. So, so what are you trying to achieve in, your, in the future here? Um, when, when I... When I'm working on a mule, I am trying to help that mule become the best bridal mule that I can help it to be. Um, and the feel of the hackamore does so much to prepare them for a bridal. I mean, one of the biggest pieces of that hackamore progression is getting that mule to respond off of that top wrap on the hackamore. On your makati, your top wrap right there. What is that like? Well, it's just like your curb strap on your bridle bit. And I have mine set about my, my top wrap on my hackamore is about two fingers. My curb strap on my bridle bits on average is, is about two fingers. Now, the, both of those vary, but those are the averages for you. So that hackamore progression is, is, is a big part in helping that mule learn to respond off that curb. Because so far in the, in the learning, uh, you know, we've used snaffle bit where the curb strap doesn't do anything except for keep the bit from going through the side of the mouth when you pick up on it. Maybe if you pulled on it hard, I guess. So, uh, Larry, I, I would just say, well, if you're going to do that, then use a hackamore. But I'll also tell you this, Larry, out of all the mules that I've had the opportunity and blessing to work with, I have never had one that I said, oh, the bit is too cold for you to wear. Um I've had many snaffle bits uh, stuck in my armpit and uh, down my shirt, in my coat, in my pocket, uh, whatever, uh, stuffed up in my, you know, around my belly, in my hoodie, whatever, trying to warm up those bits for that meal so it's not so cold and unpleasant. Um, so that really wouldn't be a reason for me to to use something else, Larry. Um, if the mule is hard to take the bit, there's stuff to be worked on right there. You know, get them just open in their mouth. It's a, I, I'm surprised on how many mules just don't like to open their mouth, even without a bit. Uh, so work on getting them to open their mouth. I got a video of the, 
of uh, bridling with quality. And I talk about all the prerequisites to bridling with quality. Give that a give that a watch, Larry. It's on the video library there, and you can watch that. And and uh, you know, I got quite a few videos on that video library about bridling and and working through that and and all kinds of things on there. So watch that. And uh, so, anyways, I hope that helps you on on that. But I I don't I don't own a side pole, so that should answer the question: Would I use one or not? Um, nope, nope. I have used them in the past, and they're no longer in my tack room. So there you go. Go to a Hackamore. Uh, now you asked about saddle pads. Um, you said uh, talk about that. Uh, I don't know if you have a specific question on that or not, but um, I'll tell you what I use. Uh, I use basically two different types of saddle pads on a regular basis. I use five-star saddle pads, and I use diamond wool saddle pads. Uh, Both are good. I've used them both a long time. Uh, My diamond wools, they're they're cheaper. They don't cost near as much as a five-star, but they don't last as long as a five-star either. so the the diamond wool kind of use them and lose them. The five star pads, man, I got I got a couple pads I've had here now for shoot I don't know eight years, and they're still great. I'll get another eight years out of them probably. Uh, keep them clean, take care of them. I like the seven eighths. Uh, you get much bigger than an inch, and you know you you kind of lose a little quality in your saddle fit. The bigger the pad, the worse the fit of your saddle. So you want to keep that saddle as close to the back as possible while protecting the back and protecting your saddle. Remember that saddle pad, a big job of it is to keep that sweat from getting into your saddle leathers and stuff. Um, and to protect that mule's back from wear and tear. Okay. All right. Christina Bailey. I have a new issue that has come up with Ellie. That's her new mule. Um, she doesn't like black things, like a black flag, um, like a black flag on a stick or anything. Um, when she's using this flag, <laughs> she says, she flat out wants to kill the flag. Ears pinned, leaps in the air, stomps two feet. Uh, then she stares it down uh, <laughs> like a bull digging her feet in the ground, ready to charge and stomp it again. I let it play out today to see what she would do, and she literally just wants to kill the flag. If I put it away, she's back to good old Ellie. Suggestions. I tried playing the uh, with the flag outside her, quote, bubble, but quite honestly, she is so aggressive about it that I'm a little concerned I'm going to misjudge her, her movements and get stomped. All right. Sounds like you're having fun, Christina. And Christina is in Pennsylvania, by the way. Uh, good friend of mine. So good to hear from you, Christina. And sounds like you got a fun issue to work with. Um, I would get her moving off of the flag. So if they're that, if they're that aggressive, I'm going to come in there and I'm probably going to get that mule moving away from the flag. So I'm going to, I'm going to shake it, move it. If I got to get on another mule, another horse, you got, I know you got plenty of them there, get on and I might drive her away from there and, um, and, and, you know, try to redirect that behavior. I don't want her trying to stomp everything. Don't want her trying to attack everything. So I'd probably get her to move. Um, and then I would just go through the process of getting her used to it again. So, so you bring that life up, you get her feet moving, you, you bring up that confusion, you bring up that little level of concern, you leave, you, you kind of bring up, you, you elevate that arousal a little bit, and then you back off a little bit, let it come down. So you're going to drive her off of that flag, and then you back way off and let her relax, and, and you'll see her licking her lips a little bit. You'll see her lower her head. You're going to see her uh, softening the lips and the mouth and soften her ears a little bit, not swish her tail, and then do it again. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up bring it back down. So I'm going to get her moving off this flag. I'm going to bring a little life in the flag. And if you're worried about her attacking you, like I said, get on your other, your horse, uh, grab one of your horses and, and do this. Um, the other thing you can do, if you just want to let it kind of play out and relax, is just throw that flag, uh, out in the pasture, let it hang out there. Um, if you have a feeder 
where you throw your hay in every day, hang that black flag above the, the feeder and just kind of let her get over it on her own time. You could do that too. And that's just the more of the familiarizing. It takes a little longer. It's not, not quite as sticky um, as the first thing I recommended. Um, but you could do that too. Don't worry about it too much. Uh, you'll get her over this with time. She's just a youngster. And, um, you know, you, you never know what kind of experiences she might have had that led her to believe this is going to be super dangerous. You know, I know you got a lot of black bear in that country. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. Um, but those are kind of the two things I do uh, that I think will keep you the safest. Good question, Christina. Good to hear from you. All right. And our last question of the episode is from Mandy Thatcher. Um, I've had Preacher, that's the mule's name, about 18 months. He had an issue of trotting off when mounting and pulling through the bit. I sent him to a trainer who has mules. They got him lunging and did a lot of work with mounting. But then when she went to get on, he didn't want to move and took a stiff couple of steps and then jumped up on four legs. Uh, trainer came off a few times, got kicked, uh, and, the, and the mule got kicked out of school. He doesn't put his head down, isn't bucking, and gives no signs. Now I'm nervous to ride him. I think he's had trauma under saddle. I've had a horrible time trying to find a good trainer. I don't want him to get messed up. I got him to trail ride and I can't even get on him. And he needs more than walks and lunging. Thanks for your help. Well, Mandy, a uh, couple things. First thing, I would get the groundwork checklist just rocking and rolling. You know, uh, people just discount the groundwork checklist. Get them operating off a of loose rein. You know, uh, and if I could go back and restart a couple, a couple of thousand colts that I started, um, you know, before I got going on all these things, I would totally go back and I would do all the groundwork. I used to not do the groundwork. I used to just kind of get on rock and roll. Uh, and I, I don't do the groundwork now just because I um, necessarily like scared of the mule bucking with me or whatever. But it, it's just a foundation that it sets is so awesome with the side bonus of, yeah, the, the chances of you getting bucked off are much lower. The chances of you guys having trouble are much lower. <clears throat> and it's just been proven a million times. I mean, there's horsemen out there way better than I am that can prove that to you, that that groundwork stuff, that good, the good pieces of groundwork will just help you. And uh, maybe you don't need to do groundwork on every mule, but it's one of those things that you just won't regret doing. You know, I went to school. I got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I'm not doing a thing with this bachelor's degree. It, it You know, some could say it was a waste of my time, but I don't. Um, I don't regret getting my bachelor's degree. Did I need it? No. So there's a lot of mules out there. I got a bunch of mules in my corral that I promise you, I don't. I could go out there, catch them, saddle them up, not do any groundwork at all, and ride off uh, at a trot and not have an ounce of a problem. I got a couple other mules out there that you can't pay me enough not to do the groundwork because I know they'd dump me on my head, okay? Um, but I do it with all of them, and I don't regret it. So go through that groundwork, Mandy. Get this mule checking off on these things. And you can do it. Everybody can do the groundwork checklist. There's no excuses. I've had the opportunity of working with, with a, a variety of people of ages, um, men, women, children, older folks, uh, every people that have full capacity, all, all limbs functioning to people that are paralyzed, people that are missing limbs, missing parts, missing pieces. Um, everybody, everybody can do the groundwork. There's no, there's no reason that you can't do the groundwork. And I guess I would probably venture out to say, if you can't do some level of groundwork, um, you might reconsider your recreational choices here because, if you can't do the basic levels of groundwork, that would mean that you can't do the basic levels of writing. And I guess if you're having just somebody lead you around, that is one thing and that's just fine. And 
I am involved with a lot of different foundations and things going on that that help people that are not capable of operating and for therapy they ride and that is amazing I'm not saying that but still the handler the handler is capable of doing the groundwork so if you are going to handle a mule or a horse I I think you should be doing the groundwork so get that going and get it going well uh, and have fun with it enjoy it and then as far as the standing still to mount you know that's an easy one these days um, if you've got the groundwork going good jump up on the fence do fence work get that mule to pick you up off the fence teach that mule that next to you on that fence is a fantastic place to be make it so comfortable for them remember you're trying to set these mules up to be winners i want my mule to be successful i want my mule to find that comfort to find that peace um, in whatever it is that i'm asking them to do so get them picking you up off the fence and there's videos of that on the video library too a whole bunch of them but go through that picking you up off the fence and um, that'll be a great help to you. So, and then once you get the groundwork going, the fence work going, then it's just a matter of going through the riding checklist and you get on and stand still to mount. And then you, you work on moving the hindquarters each way and work on being able to just ride, ride in a direction, ride in a circle, ride to a point, And you just start building there and climbing that list. So, Thanks for that question, Mandy. Sounds like you got some work to do too. These are some excellent questions today uh, from all of you wonderful listeners out there. I appreciate you guys tuning into the podcast. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up this Sunday, December 12th, kicks off our 12 days of Christmas. And my goodness, we have some amazing sponsors this year. We're giving away all kinds of cool stuff, giving away britchens, giving away uh, head stalls. Uh, our, our grand sponsor of the whole deal is Colt Saddlery and he is giving away a custom saddle. And how do you get in? Well, anybody that is signed up for a clinic in 2022, you're entered. If you're signed up for two clinics, you're signed up twice. If you're signed up for multiple classes at multiple clinics, you're signed up that many multiple times. This is what I like to do every year. Me and Sky like to do this to give back to you, wonderful people that support us and want to learn and want to be better. And it's also a way for me to support my friends in various businesses uh, centered around equine. And uh, so grateful for all our amazing sponsors. We'll be highlighting them daily. So be sure to tune into that. Hey, thanks for listening today. I would love to hear what you think about our podcast. Send me an email ty at tsmules.com and uh, that's the same place you can send a question be sure to put in the subject line everyday mulemanship podcast or just podcast is fine so hey god bless y'all uh hope you have a merry christmas remember what this season is, is all about our lord and savior jesus christ and uh hey we'll see y'all down the road thanks for listening